They've come to listen to the great man, probably the most accurate forecaster we've got in Australia over the last decade or so. And we realise that real estate forecasting is extremely challenging because it needs to take into account a lot of stuff that is unpredictable and factors that are situational that can change. And I've got with me Louis Christopher, who is the owner of SQM. Hello, Louis. How are you? G'day there, Tom. Nice to be with you and your audience once again. Good to see you, Louis. And uh, it's a good day today because today's the day that you uh, you release uh, your boom and bust report. And um, uh, Louis, a lot's been happening in real estate uh, at the moment. I'm talking to agents. They're telling me they've had very, very challenging times. Hmm. Louis, I know that you like to look at things in a situational um, a basis, taking into account if this event happens, this is a likely scenario. Um, it was really interesting today to see that uh, uh, the Reserve Bank governor has made an apology. He basically says, if people have made a decision based on stuff that we've said, we want to apologise. Uh, that was interesting. Did you read that? I certainly did read that. Uh, yeah, that was quite an admission. Uh, and yes, the Reserve Bank has uh, copped a lot of flack uh, this year and last year, uh, predominantly surrounding their statement that they made up until this time last year, where they said uh, there wouldn't be any interest rate rises until 2024. You may recall that statement. Uh, and uh, sure enough, we had interest rate rises. So uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good look, and I've always been a little bit perplexed why they cornered themselves like that in terms of putting a time frame on when they would lift interest rates. I think fundamentally they wanted to try to do it at the time to to install confidence into the economy, uh, but there were better ways of doing that, uh, and uh, yeah, they, they ended up having a lot of egg on their face, um, and uh, and I'm sure they they regret the day they did that. <laughs> Now, Louis, what's your take on it? And I'd love to know this report, the Boom Bust Report. Today you've been on the circuit doing interviews with a lot of the media uh, companies. I, you know, I presume you've spoken to to the main ones. I'd I'd love to um, ask you, what's your report say? Tom, the, the overall um, picture we're presenting for 2023 is one where on the balance of probabilities, and I say that very finely because there, there will be a lot of uncertainty, the balance of probabilities are that we, we expect to see a modest to moderate housing recovery for Australia's capital cities. We think it will be driven by the Sydney housing market and uh, we'll also see some relatively uh, strong growth out of the Perth housing market. But I say this with caution uh, and lots of qualifiers because it is all in the hands of the Reserve Bank of Australia. And as your audience may be familiar with, we generally like to run with scenarios which cover what the Reserve Bank of Australia may or may not do next year. You see, I always like to say, hey, um, I'm not an interest rate expert, but if interest rates do X or Y, I'll tell you what it means for the housing market. And if inflation does X or Y, I'll tell you what it means for the housing market. And if the economy and unemployment does X or Y, I'll tell you what that means for the housing market. So that's that's how I like to 
frame it. Uh, no, I don't know for sure what in, unemployment will be next year. I'm not sure anybody does. I'm not sure exactly what interest rates will be, uh, though I've got a bit of an inkling uh, that I can tell you what, you know, if they do certain things, what it does mean for our markets. Okay, so let's go through. Are you sharing any 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 documents? Yeah. Look, I think what we should do is to share our main forecast. We've got uh, the ones which have been quoted in the media at the capital city level. Keep in mind, we, we have data in our actual paid report, which goes right down to each and every postcode Australia-wide, but I think it's time to share. Just bear with me one, to- uh, one moment, Tom. Okay. Now, can everybody see that Excel spreadsheet with my with my scenario? Yes, 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 we can. Excellent. Okay, so what I normally like to do each year is come up with four main scenarios. Uh, so essentially, what I, I generally do is I'll come up with theoretical ten or twenty. Last year we came up with twenty different scenarios. This year we came up with ten, and then we narrowed down to. Uh, what I think is like the the top four most likely scenarios that that may well play out. And then out of that, we then put our hat on what we think is our base case, the most likely scenario out of it all. Now, this time last year, we forecasted, and you may may recall this, we did at the time when the housing market was still booming along, um, that the housing market would peak and we would record some housing price falls. and. Uh, this was on the basis that we thought the RBA would have to lift rates later in the year for that to happen and or APRA would step into the market to try to slow the market down. Uh, one of those scenarios uh, we had uh, for uh, this year was that the RBA would have to actually respond sooner and lift rates prior to mid-year, which ultimately they did do that. And our forecast on that scenario was the housing market would fall by about 8% which I don't think we've been too far off from that. Uh, so you know, this is an example of, okay, we knew what the RBA was saying on the record, no interest rate rises till, until 2024. We found that a little bit hard to believe as uh, 2022 was, 2021 was coming to an end. And we believed it's one of our top four scenarios that would have to eat their words, which ultimately they did. Uh, so this year, what have we got? We've got uh, basically a rates on hold scenario, which is our base case scenario. We've got a Goldilocks scenario, which is essentially that we may well actually get rate cuts uh, in the second half of 2023. And we can talk about that scenario a bit more. Then I've got a bit more of a, a darker scenario uh, for 2024. It would actually play out in that year, which is what I call a false dawn, where the RBA goes on pause soon but then they completely underestimate accelerating inflation. We actually get like, say, a CPI uh, towards 10% and they panic and they then start aggressively lifting interest rates uh, in later 2023. And finally, the scenario where the RBA doesn't go on pause, they have to keep lifting rates and they lift rates to the point where we go into a hard economic landing. We actually go into a, into a pretty steep recession later in 2023. And that's uh, that's the one where, of course, you would see a greater correction in the housing market. Now, a lot of the work we did this year, Tom, we did around what would be the breaking point for existing homeowners in terms of a theoretical cash rate. 
So I spoke to a, a lot of the banking community. I spoke to the non-bank financial sector, key people who I know are knowledgeable, look after loan books and people I trust. And uh, this is where you'll see now assumptions going back to our base case scenario about the fact that one of our key assumptions is the cash rate must not go above 4%. Okay, so if the RBA goes on pause uh, with a cash rate, which is currently 285 if they, if they peak at below 4%, we believe we'll see the recovery occur. If they, on the other hand, decide to go above 4% and keep lifting, no recovery. Bad news. Really bad news, actually. So this is critical because we believe at that point, roughly around the 4%, this is where you'll start to see a lot more forced selling activity in the housing market. What's it now? So at the moment, Louis... What yes. is it now? Is it three and a half? The the cash rate is two point eight five, and it's a and we believe we'll probably see a rate rise being called uh, next week. And then and and then and then Louis, had, scenario one does that take into account? Does that include a February rate rise? Or yes, it shoot? does. It allows it allows for essentially up to about four more quarter point increases four more 25 basis point increases so we go to say potentially 3.85 we think at 3.85 the market would still while it'd be a bit negative in terms of sentiment still you wouldn't see forced selling activity now okay. yeah, now, yeah yeah Keep going. Now that's one of the factors that's one of the factors keep in mind there's a whole bunch of other factors going on especially in the new south wales economy which we need to take into account. It's one of the reasons why we're a little bit more positive on the Sydney housing market than potentially other capital cities. So, for example, we know we've just seen a change in property taxes, a pretty critical change of that as well. The move away from stamp duty to land tax, which has now started for first-time buyers, where they have an option. They can opt out of paying stamp duty and they can opt into paying a, an annual land tax. We think this could stimulate a number of uh, would-be renters, sorry, of renters turning themselves into first-time buyers. And we think that that would help the market somewhat. The other factor in all this is that we expect an increase in underlying demand for accommodation, especially in the Sydney housing market throughout the course of 2023, the borders are now open, as we're well aware. We have seen an influx of net overseas arrivals, and generally net overseas arrivals who had planned to stay for some time, their first ports of call are Sydney and Melbourne. Okay, so we, we're expecting to see ongoing surges uh, in underlying demand for real estate across 2023. Now, as you know, Tom, we've had a rental crisis and rental vacancy rates here in Sydney are running at 1.3%. Nationally, they're roughly running at about 1%. And we're seeing big surges in asking rents or market rents, I like to call them. Okay, this is playing into the inflationary scenario. And this plays into potentially investors looking to come into the market to get an inflation hedge and to capture this growing rental um, market that's been occurring. Uh, and so we expect more investors in the market in 2023, up to a point. And it goes back to my view about, okay, the cash rate 
It's got a peak at below 4%. This is important. So there's a number of factors here at play, um, especially in the Sydney housing market. As you know, we've already had a correction, particularly for freestanding houses. Tom, one, of, one more factor I'm going to discuss is some of the leading indicators that we've got now. Yes. And you might well be aware we measure auction clearance rates. They're regarding a they're regarded as a bit more of a conservative estimate of clearance rates in the marketplace. I can tell you two things on our clearance rate um, uh, measurements we've got, Tom. Number one in Sydney, they've been trending up uh, since mid-year. And number two, in the eastern suburbs, we're now been recording auction clearance rates in the mid-60s. Okay. And that's pretty high on our scale. That's pretty high on our measurement, and it's particularly high for the spring selling season. Now, that may be mixed news for agents who are listening to this, because one thing I can also tell you is that auction volumes are well and truly down compared to where we were this time last year, well and truly down. Uh, this time last year, there was very abnormal. We were coming out of lockdowns. The market was running hot. Um, and everybody wanted to go to auction, and, and lots of people were able to sell by our auction. Um, but yeah, we, we've noticed in Sydney's eastern and suburbs, clearance rates have been picking up. Um, and that's also a signal to us, too, that the Sydney economy is actually still running strong. It's still running strong. And I'm sure you're well aware, Tom, a lot of people who buy a freestanding home in Sydney's eastern suburbs, they do it especially for the top end of the market, they're doing it with cash. They're not taking out, they're not taking out a, a mortgage. They mm. do it with cash because they're wealthy individuals. And wealthy individuals tend to like to buy when the economy is going well. And I, and, and I can't help it. The conversations I have with certain buyers uh, when I run into them on Saturdays at auctions is that they, they actually see real estate as being a, a good asset class during inflationary periods, when they look at the other options, they're still seeing it as a safe place to put money in, Louis. Well, they're right, Tom. I mean, the, 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 in real estate and, and other tangible assets, tangible assets have been a good hedge against inflation historically. So let's go back to the 1970s. Okay, in, 19, in the 1970s, Australia's inflation rate peaked at 17.5%. It was huge. That was in 1975, if I recall. Sydney housing prices in that decade quadrupled. They didn't, they didn't just double. They quadrupled in one decade. And it was yeah. because of, largely because of inflation. Now, to be fair, Sydney housing prices were considerably cheaper at the start of 1970. They were cheap on a, on a, a relative basis to incomes. There's no question about it. But they did quadruple and inflation had a lot to do with it. People were looking for that hedge uh, to make sure they, they had some real assets because the cash in the bank was just devaluing at a fairly phenomenal rate. Um, and one of our beliefs is that in 2023, inflation will not return back to the RBA's target of 2 to 3%. It will stay elevated on our base case scenario. Yes, it may will come down a bit. It may well come down a bit, but it'll still be somewhat elevated. Um, and hence the reason why we think that our scenario one where the RBA goes on pause, but they don't cut rates until maybe towards the end of the year um, is the most likely scenario to play out. But I've got to say, Tom, it's this this year's been 
particularly challenging to put the forecast together. I was more confident last year that we would see a peak in the market. We got it. Uh, this year, uh, this this all lies in the hands of the RBA, and I, I got to say, I wouldn't want to be a central banker right now. All right, I'll I'll get you to stop sharing, Louis, so we can bring you up full on the screen and just um, touch on that. You know, so Louis, ideally, scenario one and scenario two would be good if they played out. You know, scenario three and scenario, particularly scenario four, uh, is concerning. Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually more concerned about the false dawn scenario. This is this is the one where the RBA just gets it wrong again. So they go on pause, and then we have a new inflationary breakout where inflation gets to ten percent. You would see in that situation the RBA panic, and they will look. Oh my goodness, we've got to aggressively lift interest rates again, and that's where you would see a hard economic landing in late twenty three. And, and into 2024, this is where you would see unemployment definitely, you know, start to rise above five percent. It would be a nasty recession, Tom. So, Louis, you, 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 all your situational analysis is highly dependent on the behaviour of what the Reserve Bank does. Yeah, um, and you're also suggesting that we can't ex- expect to get inflation down. To two percent or three percent, um, and that's and 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 because some of the dialogue and narrative has been from the Reserve Bank in the last few months, we got to slay the dragon. Inflation's the dragon, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I and I panic when they say, "Oh, we got a target of two to three percent," because again, the Reserve Bank's actually being very definitive about you know numbers which. We've seen that it wasn't right to be definitive about when rates would, you know, go up, which they said 2024. But you're suggesting, Louis, that that they could, they can stop having rate rises and 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 not have to have inflation at two or three percent. Yeah, well, look, we've done a lot of work uh, in terms of understanding uh, what's driving inflation right now. What are the risks behind inflation? What could drive it further north or further upward? what could actually see it start to slow down. And, you know, on that information, the, the results are mixed. Uh, you know, the, the results are mixed. We're expecting some uh, forces out there to push inflation along, such as electricity, um, yeah, energy prices. We're seeing some offsets against food, which is good, and apparel. Um, so, you know, like the, the outlook from what we can see, and it's a very uncertain uh, outlook on inflation, is is kind of mixed, but we can see how uh, potentially we are close to the top of inflation. We are on top of the peak of inflation. Uh, that That is the RBA's base case scenario that it will peak soon and it will start to gradually ease. Um, but, you know, in 2023, I think the consensus is that it's only going to be a gradual easement. The, the thing with all this, and I, I was very lucky enough, I actually managed to speak to some uh, ex-central bankers. I, there was an ex-Federal Reserve member out in Sydney recently. I got chatting to him uh, one-on-one about the outlook for inflation, what the Federal Reserve was thinking about it all, and we we're talking about these scenarios that could play out. Um, yeah, very, very enlightening. Um, and the the view was that there would be a lot of what we call jawboning from the central banks, where, they, where they're trying to talk the economy down. They're trying to threaten the economy with a stick. 
of you know higher interest rates to try and just sort of soften the confidence. They're hoping through that 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 will do the job that the economy will soften based on sentiment, and in part we we have seen a little bit of that. We've seen, of course, very low consumers' confidence come out. But ultimately, though, you know, when, when you walk around Sydney, you, you go to the cafes, you go to the restaurants, you go to the shopping centres, it's still a strong economy out there, Tom. I'm sure you, you see it yourself, and I'm sure your audience sees it too. Um, so this is, yeah, it's it's this is why there's so much uncertainty and why this year I've got to say I'm not feeling overly confident about my base case scenario. I think on the on, in terms of the balance of probabilities, it was it was the one offering the highest probability of occurring. But you know, each of any of these four scenarios could easily play out, and it, all eyes are on the RBA how they react to new information as it comes through. And yes, Tom, there is a risk here. The RBA has to keep lifting rates. Um, and that's our fourth most likely scenario. They just keep lifting rates anyway. Um, and look, they know what that means if they do that. That That's a hard landing in the economy. And I'm sure they wish to try and avoid a hard landing. I'm sure uh, that they wish to restore their reputation. And I'm sure that they're looking at information in new ways following what happened uh, with some of their pretty bad calls that they made back in 2021. Yeah, my, one final thing, Louis. This this talk about the expiry of fixed loans in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and uh, the impact of of borrowers who have locked in at two percent that might be paying by you know by March it could be six percent, could be or or five and a half percent. That's could be. that's yep. more than double. That's two to three times the rate. It's uh, a lot. Yeah. Any, any any commentary on that, Louis? Yes. So uh, I once again I refer back to some of the um, sort of interviews I did with uh, people who are looking after loan books at the moment, and we focused on this particular risk and this particular issue. And it is somewhat of an issue. I think the media is just playing it up a little bit. I'll tell you some of the reasons why I say that. Uh, number one, uh, many of these people who talk about out say a two percent fixed interest. Uh, interest loan rate, right? They were still tested on a lending rate far higher than two percent. Right. Okay. So, and that's not really talked about much, but they were tested on it. Now, you may recall if you if you know uh, when you're going for a loan, you've got to go through a serviceability test to see if you can you can afford it an interest rate far higher. And many of these people were tested actually on a variable rate plus three percent not the fixed rate. So it was a variable rate plus 3%. So most of these fixed um, uh, loan applicants were tested essentially on 6 and 7% still. Now, the, the issue is, of course, is that you can be tested on that, you get your loan, and then you still go off spending, you go and buy yourself a, a, a new car, you go and take a holiday, you get yourself more into debt. That's what we don't know, uh, how many people have actually done that. And... Uh, the information I got was that just about now, um, some of the people I trust are reporting uh, just more borrowers deciding they want to sell before they go and and cop that reset. They want to sell because they know they cannot afford it. And so there is a, a rising percentage, but it's still, albeit fairly benign and fairly low. 
And one of the things we like to measure is distress listings activity, Tom. Okay, so right now we're recording a rise in distress listings activity. It's about 6,000 properties nationwide which are selling on under distress conditions. That's up by you know a thousand or so from where we were, say, a few months back. However, it's well and truly below where we were pre-COVID where there was on average about 13,000 properties at any point in time selling under distress conditions. So we're watching that indicator very closely. It is trending up, but it's not skyrocketing. Uh, so we're not overly concerned about it right now. Um, but as mentioned, I, I wouldn't want to see the cash rate above 4% because I think if we were to see that, uh, at the same time we see uh, a lot of these uh, fixed loan borrowers get resetted upon, that spells trouble. So, Louis, for the people that want to dig deeper and uh, get even more information at a at a suburb level, which I know that you you know you have you have depth of data all over Australia, what's the the best report they can purchase? Well, look, today we've talked about our macro forecast, and that's what the media's been covering. But in the report itself, our housing boom and bus. Re- sqnresearch.com.au, uh, we actually get down to the postcode level. Um, so that's why people buy the report. They want to see what's going on in their postcode. So we cover off median house prices. We cover off uh, stock on market, rental vacancy rates, rents. That's all there at the postcode level, all in one report. So do you buy that by postcode? Is that how you buy it? You buy, you buy the report and you get every postcode. In the state or in the country? In the country. Do you know off the top of your head how much the report is? $59. $59.95. That's a, a one-off report? Yeah, one-off report. Oh, that's a no-brainer. You've, Susan's just actually put up, Susan's just put up sqmresearch.com.au uh, forward slash index. It might be just easier just to go on the homepage and from there you'll be able to work it out, won't you? Yeah, on the homepage, there's, there's a link directly to the report on the homepage. Um, so, yeah, no, we, we put in, and we actually do ratings of POCO. Yeah, the media focuses on the capital. That's totally understandable. Uh, but uh, we then, uh, the report itself is all on the postcodes. Yeah. Um, I'm just reading some of these questions here. Lewis, if you're a betting man, would you sell rather now than next year? That's from an anonymous attendee. I don't know. Louis, what would you say to that? You know what, Tom? Whenever I've sold Sydney property, I've always regretted it. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a I had a I had a Jewish landlord. When I was when I first started up in real estate, I had a landlord that had 80 properties in Marrickville. His name was Mr. Abaya. And he said, sat down with me and he says, I want to give you some basic laws in real estate. I said, yep, I pulled out my pad and I started writing out. I was 20 years of age and I was going to learn from the wisdom of a man that was a multimillionaire and he said, never sell. That was his only thing. <laughs> right? Never sell, okay. that's right. Never uh, sell. So I, I will say, though, look, with the with the taxation changes, um, this is good in terms of transaction costs for people. Uh, so I'm, I'm in favour of the taxation changes I think eventually the state government, assuming it wins again uh, on the next state election in New South Wales, uh, they will roll this out uh, for everybody 
Uh, that was what the Premier's intention was when he was Treasurer, and I think it will occur. Well, that'll be happy days because a real estate industry that's got lower barrier to entries for buyers and sellers to operate in is going to be a lot better, Louis. We know that the cost of doing business is is often the thing that prohibits people from moving homes. Stamp duty is an inefficient tax, Tom, uh, and it's actually not that great for state governments because what happens is in the good times, they, their coffers are booming. In the bad times, they're hardly getting any revenue coming in, uh, and it's not good. It's far better from a state government perspective to have more stable uh, revenue sources coming in. And so I, I think it's good for everyone. Remember, once upon a time, we used to have stamp duty on stocks, on shares. They got rid of it because they recognised it wasn't productive for the economy. Same thing should happen with housing. Yeah. Now, Deborah Deborah has gone on to say, um, I love the boom and bust report. I buy it every year. No one gets their forecasts as close to the pin as SQM. Um, so thanks for that. But she's also gone on to say, earlier on today, uh, how come the banks are forecasting such different price changes to you? I'm not even sure what the banks are forecasting. <laughs> uh, the, banks, the banks change their forecasts about every three months and they're never held to account for it. So so this time last year, when we were forecasting the housing market would peak and we'll get some price falls, the banks were forecasting housing prices would rise across the country in 2022. Then, of course, they change their forecasts. Then they change it again. Then they change it again right throughout the course of the year. Now they're very bearish in 2023, and I'm reasonably confident they'll have to adjust their forecast once more. That's their track record. Yeah, well, the backs are quite famous for that front page in the Sydney Morning Herald just before COVID started, and it basically said prices to drop by 35%. And then the irony was they actually did go up probably 40% during that period. Yeah, yeah. Look, we we were initially concerned. You may recall we were initially concerned about going into COVID, and we could see that if the government did not intervene, if we didn't see rate cuts, that we could have had a hard landing in the housing market. But the government did intervene. They did respond to the crisis, um, and that's the reason why. Look, we we didn't see the the worst effects of COVID play out in the economy. It was still bad, though. I mean, I'm sure any small business will tell you that it had a shop front, cafes. We all know how hard they did it. Yeah. Louis, you've had a busy day. Thank you so much. Uh, great analysis, uh, team. Um, for those of you that are real estate agents, you know that my approach is uh, uh, be a trusted advisor, speak with facts, speak with opinions, get the experts' ideas, then form an opinion. And um, and I've got to say to you, uh, now is no better time in the world than to get onto the phone, ring up your clients, give them a forecast on what you think may happen in their market, encourage them to get the SQM report. Louis, I want to thank you so much and uh, keep up the good work. You look amazing, by the way. Susan was saying off, off air, you've lost 11 kilos since the last time you were on. Yeah, well yeah, no, look, uh, been using this app called Noom. And uh, uh, look, I tell you what, if it can work for me, it can work for most people. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the results so far. Thanks a lot, Louis. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Cheers.